Tamasato ma sadgamaya Tamaso ma jyotirgamaya Mrityurma amritam gamaya Om shanti 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 Om lead us from the unreal to the real Lead us from darkness unto light Lead us from death to immortality. Om, peace, peace, peace. Good morning. Today the subject this morning is, you must have seen the non-dual self. And yes, we are going to speak about non-duality and I can see people going again but that's the one subject that we have, uh, the highest teaching. Sri Ramakrishna, in his little room in the Kali temple of Dakshineshwar. Now, we know that, they, he, that he used to keep this little book which he would not allow anybody to read except Narendranath, Swami Vivekananda. Now, that's a little bit annoying. Why just Narendranath? Why not us? So, since we know about it, I was thinking today, let's just sneak into his room. He's out there. Ramakrishna is not in his room. He's out there somewhere in the temple, maybe in ecstasy. Let's just sort of sneak into his room and take out that little book and see what all the fuss is all about. Why won't he allow us to read that book? And let's see what's there in that little book. I invite you to come with me. Let's sneak into his room. And uh, as we go there, I know where he keeps his book. So. He, think, he thinks it's a big secret, but the world knows about it. <laughs> Not that it is directly relevant, but it's interesting that... Um, come in, come in, come in. Don't hesitate there. Not that it's directly relevant, but I, I heard this story from a very senior monk. Uh, he was an attendant to Swami Premeshanandaji, who was a disciple of Masharada, and in his, in his own lifetime was regarded as a Brahmagyani, knower of Brahman. So one day, this monk told me that once he was attending to Swami Premeshananda, and uh, uh, Swami Premeshananda said, is there anybody, I'm going to tell you a secret. Just make sure there's nobody there, close the doors. And, and the Swami, he told me that I knew what he was going to say. He had said it so many times, everybody knew that. <laughs> and I said to him, um, Swami, just go ahead. There's nobody around, you can, you, you can tell me. And the Swami said, no, no, it, it's like top secret, beyond classified, you know. <laughs> so come, I'll, I'll whisper it into your ears. 
And uh, with the, the Swami said, with, with the sigh, I went forward and I uh, went near him. And he said, do you know that in this age, God has descended as an avatar as Sri Ramakrishna. Sri Ramakrishna is an avatar, an incarnation of God. And the Swami said, yeah, I know. And Swami Premeshananda said, you know. He said, yes, and everybody knows. Everybody knows. Yes, everybody knows, and nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because what is our concept conception of God and what is our conception of an avatar, of an incarnation? <clears throat> these are words to most of us. Uh, these are concepts which we read about. So similarly, there's this book which only Narendranath was allowed to read. So we'll go inside and we find this book in his room, uh, in Sri Ramakrishna's room, and we open it and we see it says, you know the book, Ashtavakra Gita or Ashtavakra Sanghita. Um, let's open it and read what it says. Almost at the very beginning is we find this verse. I think it's the fourth verse in the first chapter. Yadi deham pritakritya chiti vishramya tishthasi adhunaiva sukhi shanto bandha mukto bhavishyasi. What does that mean? At the very first, this thing, this translation catches our eye. Right now, here itself, you will attain to complete peace, profound and lasting peace. You will overcome all suffering, all human suffering you will overcome. Be freed of bondage right here and right now. That catches our eye, really, right now. What do you have to do? The first line says, if you separate yourself from your body and rest in pure awareness. Yadi deham prithakritya. If you see yourself as separate from the physical body and rest in pure awareness. Chiti vishram yatishtasi. You might say easier said than done. Let's look at this. What does it mean? Yadi deham prithakritya. If you can separate yourself from your body. Now, right off, separating yourself from the body does not mean that you're going, to be, you're going to float out of your body like a cloud or something like that. You know, like take a pair of uh, forceps and pull somebody out of the uh, body. It's not like that. See, uh, separating from the body is knowing, seeing clearly that I am actually not the body. Even when the body is there and the body, you're using the body, you're driving a car does not mean that you are a car. How do you do that? Vedanta gives us a series of techniques, different methods, methodologies to see that we are not the body. What are these methods? We often we have talked about it in these classes. But I'll run through them very quickly. Since we are talking about the highest, each of these methods requires a separate class to explain it, just to explain it. But I'll just mention several straight away. How do I see that I'm not the body? Well, first off, you can see that the body changes. Imagine what the body was when, um, say, you were an infant, you're a baby. Just now there was a one-year-old baby upstairs. And uh, imagine what the body was like, tiny and looked so different. And what was the body like when it was a child? What was it like when, the, when you were a teenager? What was it like as a young person, as a middle-aged person, as a senior person? So much change in the body. The body continuously changes. And yet, I have this intuition 
this unmistakable feeling that I was that, that young person, I was the teenager, even before I was the child, I was that little cute baby in the baby pictures, though the body looks so different. I have this intuition, I am the same person all throughout. Body changes and I, the person inside, I have not changed. In which case, the changing and the changeless cannot be the same thing. That which changes continuously and that which just does not change cannot be the same thing. Because of that, I cannot be the body. Though I am in the body, using the body, experiencing the body. Again, the body is an object. I am aware of the body, just as I am aware of the clock and I am aware of this lectern and this room, I am also aware of the body. I can see the body, I can touch the body, I can feel the body, especially when we are sick, we can really feel the body. So if you can actually feel it, experience it, touch it, see it, then it's an object of your awareness. Do you see? You are the seer, the experiencer, in Sanskrit, drashta, and the body is the drishya. And the seer and the experiencer they cannot be what, it is, what you see or experience. The object and the subject must be different. Hence, I, the experiencer of the body, right now, I cannot deny that I experience the body. It's a fundamental fact for me. Vedanta draws a startling conclusion from this fact. If you experience the body, the body is an object of your experience. You are the subject of that. Look at the language we say. I see the body, then I am the subject and the body is the object of the experience of seeing. Hence, subject and object not being the same cannot be the same. The seer and the seen are not the same. Drashta and drishya in Sanskrit are not the same. Hence, I cannot be the body. Again, I always experience myself as sentient, as aware, as conscious. The very fact that I experience, the very word experience, includes the fact of consciousness, does it not? Without consciousness, how can you experience? So I always, I experience myself as a sentient experiencer. And the body is insentient. You'd say, well, hold on a minute, Swami. How do you know that the body is insentient? Body seems to be full of awareness. I'm aware, I'm conscious. It does, it's a reflected consciousness, a borrowed consciousness, it's, but it's borrowed from you, the consciousness. A simple experiment proves it. I've often said this, it's very simple but very startling. If you look at your hand right now or any part of your body, if you look at it right now, what is the quality of that experience? What is the nature of that experience? The nature of the experience always will be, I am looking at the hand. It's never that the hand is looking at me. You'll never feel that the hand is looking at me. That would be creepy. <laughs> which means, which simple fact means, that I, I have sentience or consciousness on my side, not on this side. I am sentient, I am aware, I am conscious. And the body is an object of my consciousness. It is not in itself sentient, aware or conscious. That which is conscious and that which is not conscious, that which is sentient and which is insentient, they cannot be the same. Chetana and Jada. Chetana and Jada, consciousness and the sentient and insentient cannot be the same. Again, this is a very simple argument, but uh, it's effective. Follow this. You always experience yourself as one. Ekaha. One. We always experience ourselves as one. We don't experience ourselves as a committee. <laughs> 
Do, we don't say, we say I. We don't say we, unless you are the Queen of England. <laughs> but that's an honorific we. So I, meaning an individual, a unit, one, a partless one. You don't think of yourself as a composite, but the body is made of so many parts. It's multi-part. It, it is 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 composed. It's, it's a composite. Now that which is one, and that which is composed of many, how can they be the same? How can they be the same? They cannot be the same. Ekam anekam, one and many. It's a very simple psychological argument. But look at your own experience. Right now, what do you feel like? Do you feel I am many? If you feel you are, I am many, you're probably including the body and the mind and thoughts and ideas, all of that in the uh, connotation of I. But the I does not include the, uh, all of this. Those are experienced and you are the experiencer. That, that experiencer is always experienced as one and the body is experienced as a conglomeration, as a system of many parts. One and the many cannot be the same and so on. So changing and unchanging. The seer and the seen, the conscious and the not conscious, sentient and insentient, one and the many. In this way, we see that there are many, many more way of ways of understanding this. But all of them point to the fact that though we may be Im embodied, we may be embodied, yet we are not the body. Yadi deham pritakritya. If you can see yourself, appreciate yourself, understand yourself right now, as not the body, though you are in the body, embodied, but not the body. Eh? Your definition should not be, who are you? Here I am, this is me. And if somebody holds this and says, what's this? It's me. That's identification with the body. That's identification with the body. This thing is me, and who am I? This. Both ways. What, who am I? I am this body. What's this thing? It's me. That is identification of the, with the body. And using such reasoning, it's not just intellectually. You know, even after this, somebody will, um, if somebody says, I understand philosophically, intellectually, uh, logically that I'm not the body, but still you have not been able to separate me from the body. I can see some heads nodding. You know what it, what's it like saying? Um, it's like uh, the, you know, there's, a, there's so many stories like this. There's a person who, a prince of a kingdom, was lost while they went out hunting. The royal family went out hunting, and the prince was lost in the forest, and finally found by a hunter, and brought up by the uh, hunter's family, thinking he was a hunter's son. And when he grew up, by that time, the minister and the royal, well, you know, they, they were searching. They found him years later, and they recognized him, and they told him, you are a prince, and they showed him all the proof that you are a prince, you are not, a, are not this hunter's son. And the hunter also said, my son, I, I actually found you wandering in the forest. What they're saying is true. Now, if the, this prince slash hunter's son says, okay, you have logically convinced me uh, that I am um, not a hunter's son, I am a prince, but you have not actually transformed me from a hunter's son into a prince. What has happened? He gets it intellectually. He thinks that something more has to be done physically. An error which is intellectual, an error which is in the mind, can be removed by knowledge in the mind. Nothing physical has to be done. You don't have to be physically dragged out of your body. Now you are separate from the body. No. You don't have to become a ghost or something like that. You have to appreciate that while I see this body, I am not the body. 
I am the awareness in which the body appears and functions. Think about a body in the dream. When we dream, we dream a whole world. We dream people and events and, the, and the, you know, the park and people and dogs and cars and the sky and birds and lake. All of that we dream in our dreams. And we do not recognize it's a dream. And in the dream we have a body. Don't we have a body in the dream? You are there in the, in, in the dream itself. But actually when you wake up you realize you are lying on your bed safe and sound and dreaming all this. Now that body in the dream which you thought you were, was that a real body? Or was that something conjured up by your mind? What was it made of? Was it made of flesh and blood? Or was it made of mind? That body? It was made of mind. It was made of imagination. It was projected by the mind. So, in awareness a body appears. Somebody said, uh, but it seems so solid. The body is there, it's so solid. If you touch the body in your dream, will it feel solid or will it feel uh, like uh, air or will it feel like the mind? No, it feels solid. In the same way, though it feels solid now, though it feels absolutely real, it's here, but you are, it's in your awareness. The simple fact they are saying, see that you are not the body, you are the awareness in which the body appears and functions. And you work through the body and you act through the body. You talk and eat and interact with other people. Yadi deham prithakritya. If you separate yourself, if you see yourself as the awareness separate from the body. And then what do you have to do? Chiti vishramyatishthasi. Rest in this awareness. Which awareness? This very awareness in which the body is appearing. Instead of saying, I am a body, yes, I have got some awareness. What Vedanta does is, it shifts this I. Instead of saying that I am a body with awareness, what Vedanta asks you to do is, I am awareness in which a body appears and functions. The shift is subtle, but it's radical. And it can be done right now, because both the body and the awareness are there right now. You can, you can see which will you identify yourself with. If you say, if you're asked, what are you? I'm a body. What about awareness? Yes, it's there in, in the body somewhere. That's, that's our, our ordinary state. What Vedanta asks, Ashtavakra is asking us to do is switch that. See yourself as that consciousness in which the body is appearing. Chiti Vishramya. Rest in that. What a beautiful word. Rest in that consciousness. If you rest in the body, there'll be no rest for you. The body is ever active, sometimes hungry, sometimes sick, has to do this or do that, or is tired and has to sleep. There's no rest in the body. In consciousness, always rest. Consciousness is very lazy, always at rest. Because all activity is done by the body and the mind, not by consciousness. Consciousness just shines and illumines the mind and through that the senses and through that the body. And through the body-mind senses, it illumines experiences the world. Rashtavakra says, in the next verse he says, um, this consciousness which we, are, which we are supposed to rest in, what's it like? The word used is Brahman, the vast, the ultimate, which you are. Asangoasi, nirakara, vishwasakshi, sukhi bhava. What beautiful terms. You are detached. No, I'm not. I'm so very attached. I'm trying to be detached. 
Ashtavakra tells you, no, no, no. You don't have to try to be detached. Just note the fact that you are detached. Nothing sticks to you. Asangovasi. You are detached completely. You may think for a while that I'm attached to uh, husband and wife and children and money and, and uh, my name and fame. All of them come and go. Imagine, every day in the night when you go into deep sleep, when you go into deep sleep, where is husband, where is wife, where is your beloved child, where is your house, your bank balance, your car, your iPhone, where? Nowhere in your awareness. I'm so attached to them. Where is, do you feel the attachment? Nothing. Even your own body is not your near awareness in deep sleep. Every day in the night we experience that. We slip away peacefully into deep sleep without any struggle. I'm leaving behind all the objects, my beloved people and my objects. No, you never feel that. You happily go into deep sleep. In fact, if people don't go into deep sleep, they ask the doctor some many pills for going into sleep. You are detached. Asangovasi. That consciousness which you are right now, which Vedanta asks you, Ashtavakra asks you to identify yourself with the awareness which we are right now, that is completely detached. Detached from what? From the objects of awareness. From mind and body and the world. Completely detached. How attached are you to the objects and the people and the events in your dream? Not at all. Not at all. Even the most... Um, you know, attractive thing. You get, you get a million dollars win a lottery in a, in a uh, and then you wake up and say, oh, it was a dream. Mm. Are you attached to those million dollars which you won in a lottery? So not at all. Swami, you want a donation? I donate the million dream dollars to you. I'm not at all atta attached to it. No, no problem. Even the most horrible things, when you wake up and see that suffering, that fear and anxiety, it was a nightmare. And so the horrible thing, you don't feel that I suffered so much. No, you say, oh, it was a nightmare. It didn't really happen. You're unattached. Asangovasi. That consciousness is unattached to anything in the world. And why do we feel attached? We cling. You see, the world, objects and people and things have eternally divorced you. <laughs> they are not attached to you in any way. We cling to them. This must remain with me. They are like clouds floating through the sky. The sky not, doesn't cling to the clouds. If the sky did cling to the clouds, it would be foolish. It would be foolish. It will come, it will stay, it will go. Let it come, let it be, let it go. Asangovasi. What else? It says, Nirakarvasi. Um, you see, these two words, Asanga means unattached. You are already unattached. Uh, you the awareness, not the person. The person may have lots of attachments. You as the awareness are completely unattached. And you the awareness are formless. You see, I have a form. Look, I'm um, 180 pounds. I'm trying to lose weight. I have a form. Of course I have a form. That's the body. You are aware of the body. You are not the body. You are the awareness. The awareness is not 180 pounds. The awareness does not need to lose weight. It has no weight. Nirakara, formless. Now these two words are interesting. You see, asanga, the unattached, actually means your ananda swarupa, your blissful nature. Your blissful nature. You know, Brahman is defined as existence, consciousness, bliss, sat, chit, ananda. Now asanga, non-attached, refers to your ananda nature. Why? 
the general idea that we have in life is that happiness comes from contact. Happiness comes from contact. I am in contact with my iPhone 5, but now that the iPhone 7 or 8 has come, eight, 8 has come out. Now I must have the iPhone 8. And I am nothing against iPhones or Android phones, but what I'm giving you an example. Now what do I want? I will be happy when I have got that phone. I am in contact. Sangha. It must be mine. It must come into possession. I should be able to use it. I should be able to claim ownership. Sangha. Through attachment will come that happiness, which is promised. All the ads promise. Everybody who's using the iPhone 8 is very happy. You can see in the ads. It must be so. <laughs> they, all the ads promise you that. They're all smiling. So I will get happiness from that. From this object, from this possession, from money, from a house, from um, location. Location, is this it? What is the word? Location, location, location. Uh, yes. Very happily staying up, upstate somewhere. No, I must live in Manhattan. Why do you want to invite sorrow into your life? No, location. <laughs> Happiness, contact. I must be in contact with central Manhattan. People. That person in my life, then I'll be happy. That person, very soon, that person out of my life, and then I'll be happy. In fact, Ashtavakra says that uh, in another verse, Mai ananta maham bhodau, ashcharyam jiva vijaya, I am an infinite ocean of consciousness. And in me are these strange creatures called jiva, individual sentient beings. They all bubble up in me, like little waves and bubbles and foam in the ocean. In me, the ocean of consciousness, these little waves come up. Who are they? They're people. Man and woman and child and husband and wife and father and mother, friends and enemies, they all come up like bubbles in the ocean that I am. Which means, see, he has already detached himself from that personality. I am the background awareness. In this ocean, individuals, they come up like waves. And what do they do? Ashtavakra is humorous also. He says, Udyanti gnanti khelanti pravishanti sobhavata. The, the waves come up. They are born. People are born. They come into being. And khelanti, they play with each other. One Swami who was teaching us, he <laughs> was a humorous old Swami, he's saying, they play with each other. I love you, I love you. And then gnanti, they clash with each other. I hate you, I hate you. <laughs> and then pravishanti. And then they all subside back into the ocean from which they came. Death, gone. This is the play of life. If you are attached to being a wave, suffering. Suffering comes. Because limitation, birth, old age, death, constant contact and association and dissociation, suffering. If you are the ocean itself, if you are the background awareness, joy. The whole thing becomes a game which you can fully enjoy. You can enjoy the contact, you can enjoy the association, you can enjoy the dissociation also. Because all that you come into contact with is you the awareness in those forms. The waves are what? They are the ocean itself, the, o the, the water itself. All that you are dissociated with, they float away from you. you are, are you yourself? You never lose them. Even in death, the beloved persons who are dead and you grieve for them at our level, at Ashtavakra's level, it is not necessary. 
Because what they are in essence, that existence consciousness place you are, that Brahman, from which they appeared, in which they existed, your beloved persons, into which they merge, that's you. A person, um, a very beloved person you see in a dream, and he or she dies, and you grieve in a dream, and you wake up, and what do you realize? That particular person in the dream was born of your own mind, and you loved that person in your own mind, and that person died and merged back into what? Into your own mind. Nirakara, asanga, asanga. Unattached means the real source of bliss is not in contact. Sangha means contact. We think in samsara by contact we'll have happiness. But we soon lose that happiness. The same contact which brought us happiness now does not bring us happiness. Why? Because it's not contact which gives you happiness. Sangha, attachment does not give you uh, happiness. It's your own self, that awareness, which is in itself ananda, bliss. That bubbles forth in, into the happiness that we experience. Shankaracharya says, within each of us is an ocean, is that ocean of bliss. A drop of which people in the world are crazy after. It's the spray from the ocean of bliss within each of us. It's the same ocean of bliss. It's just a spray from it, which people are running out to, to get in the world. Asanga means without any contact. You are the ocean of bliss. You are in peace yourself. You are complete in yourself. And nirakara, formless, is very interesting. It means we think what is real, things which have form. Here is a table, it's real. Here is a clock, real. Here is a man and a woman and a room, they are real, they have forms. But these forms all arise from the formless, exist in the formless, and melt back into the formless. What formless? Which you are, the real you. That nirakara refers to sat, pure existence. Things exist, they have form. Pure existence has no form. Nirakara refers to pure existence, being itself, from which all things which exist borrow or draw their existence. You are that source of existence, being or sat. Vishwasakshi, you are the witness of the universe. To be a witness, you must be consciousness. So that Vishwasakshi word refers to chit. Asangvasi, you are ananda, bliss. Nirakarvasi, you are sat, pure being. Vishwasakshi, the witness of the universe, you are pure consciousness, chit. Satchidananda. That is our true form. And Ashtabhakra says, rest in that. Relax in that. Tishtasi, stay. Another word, no, it's very interesting. Each word is very profound. Asango asi, nirakaro asi, vishwa sakshi asi. Asi, the word, Sanskrit word asi means you are. Thou art. Very profound word. It means you are Brahman, you are that pure consciousness now. One Swami who is to teach us this Ashtavakra in the Himalayas once, he, you often would say, tum jano ya na jano, whether you know it or not. Tum mano ya na mano, whether you accept it or not. Tum hi Ram, you are Rama, you are God. <laughs> Asi means you are right now. When will I attain my divine con this 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 Satchidananda? When will I attain it? There is no when. When I after death, when I go to heaven, or when I 
uh, when I attain uh, um, samadhi uh, at, at, at some particular time, when am I separated from Brahman by time? No. You are present. You were, you are, you always will be. Am I separated from that reality by space? Do I have to go somewhere? Yeah, I have to go to Vaikuntha, Kailasha, heaven, Jannat, Ramakrishna Loka, something, someplace. No, 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 you are, Asi, right now. Yeah. Right now, right here. Do I have to become something? I am an individual living being, a jiva, an essential being, a human being. Now, through a lot of spiritual practice, somehow I will become Brahman. I'm an individual being, jiva in Sanskrit, and somehow by Vedanta or whatever, I'll be transformed into Brahman. It's like a, it's like a wave in the ocean saying, I'm a wave now, but with a lot of hmm, spiritual practice, a watery practice, I will become water. The wave is water. Regardless of being a wave. Similarly, right now, we are that Brahman. Asi, the word Asi means you are. Do you have to get something to become Brahman? Some people think, yes. When I get through yogic practice, I get samadhi, deep absorption in uh, God, then only I will be able, able to, be, to be divine or Brahman. No. Then you may be able to realize it. But you always wear when a person realizes he or she is Brahman, that pure consciousness, what is the realization? The realization is not that, oh, I was this ordinary person earlier. Look at me now. I am one with God. No, not like that. <coughs> the realization always is, oh, I was always this. I didn't know this. That's the realization. It's a waking up into what you already are. Will I become Brahman after getting devotion? I have no bhakti now. Now after that, after some time, you know, I will get devotion. Great faith and devotion in God. And then only I can claim that I am Brahman. No. Even now. If you get bhakti and devotion, much better for you. If you do not, so much the worse for you. But regardless of, all of that, you are still Brahman. Asi, that word is so powerful. You are that now. You say, what is the use of spiritual practice then, if I'm already Brahman? That's a, a, you know, a very theoretical question. I might be Brahman now, but I don't seem to know it. What spiritual practice does for me, what bhakti and jnana and dhyana and all of that does for me, is to make me realize what I already am. But the word asi says, you are that already. Asango asi, you are that unattached pure consciousness. You are that bliss nature already. Nirakarasi. You are that pure being, immortal being. You, will, you knew, do not know death. There is no death for you. How do you say that? Everybody dies and you are saying there is no death for me. When you say everybody dies, what dies? What do you see dying? The body. What is burnt or buried? The body. We identify ourselves with the body. There's a very funny story in, in uh, um, it's a village story, but in India, many of these stories have deep spiritual significance. Um, there was this simple man. Um, he, was, uh, he was really simple. He, wa he was cutting wood. Uh, the famous story where, you know, like there's a branch of a tree sitting on the tree and cutting the, at, the, at, the <laughs> at the root of, the, uh, of that branch, and you're sitting out on the branch. 
and somebody came and told him downstairs, uh, I mean, down there, you're going to fall. And this young man who was very simple, he said, no, I'm not. I know what I'm doing. And very soon, of course, he did fall. Then the branch was cut. He went, came crashing down. And he thought, oh, my God, that man must be God who told me he knows everything. So he ran after this man. And he caught hold of him and said, you are God. You know everything. Sarvagya means all-knowing. You are Sarvagya. You are all-knowing. The man said, no, no, it was just common sense. No, 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 you know this. You know everything. Tell me, tell me something. This man, just to you know, get rid of this simpleton, he said, look, here I am tying a string around your wrist. When this string snaps, you will be dead. That will be your death. And this man thought, oh, I've, heard, I've learned a wonderful thing today. And he went back and he told his mom and dad that, see, I met God and uh, I begged him to tell me something profound. And he tied the string around my wrist and said, when this uh, is, uh, it snaps, uh, then I will, uh, uh, I'll be dead. Now, in one day, it so happened. Days later, the string was, of course, already weak and uh, you know, soggy and so something. And it, it actually snapped. And he thought, OK, so am I dead? Well, he said so. I must be dead. So I'm dead now. And he dug a grave, and he went and lay down in it. I'm dead. People asked him, what are you doing? I'm dead. I can't do anything else. I'm dead. <laughs> so strong was his belief. You see, mind, uh, mind in its own place. I am dead. Now, this boat, it was near uh, uh, the river. The boat came, and people got down from the boat. And one of them was carrying a heavy jar of oil. He sort of was mumbling, if only somebody would carry this jar of oil to my house, I would give him two rupees or something like that. From the, from the grave, that man shouted, I would happily carry it for you, but I'm dead. I can't help it. <laughs> this man went and saw this. This guy was a simpleton. So he said, yeah, so what if you're dead? You can still carry the jar of oil. <laughs> can I? Yes, you can. Well, I didn't know that. All right. Then he came out and he carried the jar of oil. After some time, he, he was walking. You see, all of it is a play of the mind. It's a funny story, a very silly story, but, you know, Ashtavakra is saying, we are no wiser than that person. <laughs> I am dead. No, you are not. So we are, so this man is walking, and he starts imagining. See, Ramakrishna's story has some, um, he used to tell this story in, in a different form. This man starts imagining, oh, I will get two rupees for carrying this jar of uh, the, you know, oil. So with that two rupees, I'll pur purchase some chickens, and I'll do some chicken farming. And then I'll earn so many more rupees. Then I'll purchase some goats, and I'll do goat farming. And then I'll earn so many more rupees. And purchase cows, and I'll be a dairy farmer. And then uh, I'll be rich. And I'll have the house, and I'll get married. And we'll have children. And the children also will have to be married off. He's carrying it, the, the oil. And then I'll, I'll have enough money to marry off the children. And the children will have grandchildren. And we'll be sitting together in this big household. And the grandchild will come to me uh, and tug at my cloth and say, uh, granddad, granddad, grandpa, come and eat. And I will say, no, not now. And he did this, the oil, this, the thing <laughs> fell. <laughs> fell, and it broke. And this man was furious. You fool, you ruined my, this the jar of oil, you, you broke it. And this simple man, he said, you just lost a jar of oil. I lost all my family and my business and <laughs> All of it is, me is mental. <laughs> According to Ashtavakra, when we say, I'm old and I'm sick and I'm lonely and I'm ignored and I'm going to die, Ashtavakra thinks we are exactly like that simpleton. You, the consciousness, you are not old. 
You are never sick and you are never going to die. You know what happens? The enlightened person sees himself or herself, see him and her is also gender, is, is the body. As this pure consciousness, immortal consciousness. If we do not see ourselves as that, the ignorant person not knowing oneself as that pure consciousness, you know what happens to us? We do, we do not die also. Even without knowing it, we do not die. We will simply go through this round of births and deaths. We will have a body, the body will die, we think, oh, I'm dead. And like that person. But we'll have other bodies. Gita says, Jatasya hi dhruvo mrityu. For those who are born, death is certain. And Mritasya hi dhruvam janma. And for those who are dead, birth is certain. For, for whom? For those who are ignorant of their true nature. They will get another body. We will get another body. We'll go through this cycle of births and deaths. We have lived many more times, many times earlier, and we shall yet live many more times in the future. Not a good thing. Because we, we, uh, we can't continuously experience death after death. The Upanishad says, the one who does sees the manifold here does not see the one consciousness behind. That one goes from death to death. Mrityu sa mrityu maapnoti. Ya iha naneva pasyati. The one who sees in this world manifoldness. And unfortunately, most of us, we do see this manifoldness. That one goes from death to death. Asi, right now we are that. Brahman, existence, consciousness, bliss. Think about it. We cannot deny that we exist. Whatever we are, man, woman, happy, miserable, intelligent, rich, poor, uneducated, whatever we are, that I am, I cannot deny. Existence cannot be denied. We exist. And second, we cannot deny that we are conscious. That we are always, we may be conscious of happiness, we may be conscious of misery, fulfillment, or frustration, but we are conscious. First consciousness, and then anything else in life. If I say, I am not conscious, I don't, I am not that awareness, I don't know what you are speaking about, this awareness, then it's like a person saying out loud, I don't have a tongue. If I say out loud, I don't have a tongue. That's so self-contradictory. Then how am I saying it if I don't have a tongue? The very fact that I say it, I don't have a tongue, proves that I have a tongue. In the same way, uh, Vedanta says that if somebody says, I don't know this pure consciousness you're talking about, exactly as foolish as that. It is that very consciousness through a mind and a body who is saying, I don't know what consciousness you're talking about. Shankaracharya says, this Atman, this pure self, is the self of the one who denies it also. With one who denies the existence of this self, the Atman is the self of that very person. Without that, he could not deny the existence of the self. So this consciousness, background consciousness, is fundamental to our existence. Adhunaiva. Because it is so right now. Therefore, Ashtavakra says, right now, you will be free of all suffering. This is called Shoka Nibritti. All suffering goes away when you realize that I am this consciousness, unattached, formless, immortal consciousness. Why will all suffering go away? Think about it. All suffering is at the level of the body or of the mind. This consciousness is the witness of the body and of the mind. It's completely unattached to the body or, or the mind. In the sky, 
white fluffy clouds may come or dark and heavy thunder clouds may come. The sky is unaffected, though it looks different. When there are dark clouds in the sky, it looks different. When there are no clouds in the sky, it looks different. When there are white fluffy pretty clouds in the sky, it looks different. When happiness comes, misery comes, we think we are different, but it is the same untouched consciousness which shines upon the dark clouds of misery, the white fluffy clouds of happiness, or the blankness which is in between. You are that background consciousness, and therefore, adhuna eva, right now, not after death, not after attaining samadhi or bliss or something like that, right now, you will be free of suffering. Shanta, shanta means sarva upadrava shanti, all suffering ceases. But one must not uh, uh, make a mistake here, one must be careful. Problems at the level of the body will continue. I've often given uh, examples. Swami Shivananda, I read this little letter. Swami Shivananda, the disciple of Ramakrishna, is writing in his old age to another monk. The body is not at all good. It is deteriorating day by day. There is pain and suffering in the body. But the vision of Satchidananda, existence consciousness bliss, is ever before me. I, I am that, that means. It's ever there. Therefore, he writes, I do not care about the body. And he writes, it's so touching. I pray to Sri Ramakrishna that he may grant you such a vision too in your life. So you transcend aduna. In this body itself you transcend, but it does not mean the problems of the body will get solved. The knowledge of Brahman is not an anesthetic. There is a pain in the body and if I have Brahman knowledge. No, at one level the problems will remain, but you realize a deeper level where it is untouched. The storms rage on the surface of the ocean, but below the surface of the ocean there is 20,000 feet of calm water. Swami Turiyananda in uh, Banaras in, in old age, suffering a lot, physical ailment. Somebody said, Swami, are you suffering very much? He said, no, my child. Sri Ramakrishna, by the grace of Ramakrishna, inside I've been transformed into a vast sheet of ice. I'm as calm and cool inside. Though externally, body is suffering. Because of past karma, the body will suffer in a particular way and it will die also. It is, does not touch me at all. So there will be these two levels. For us, only the, the surface level. Suffering is there, I am, I am miserable. There is pleasure and happiness, oh, I am doing so well. That surface will keep changing. As long as we are attached to that, we are subject to the ups and downs of the world. As we step back into our real nature, we realize that the surface storms do not touch us. Adhuneiva, shanta, that means beyond all suffering. And sukhi, there is a positive bliss in it. Enlightened people, always happy. They radiate a great bliss and happiness. A happiness which is unsullied, which is untouched by worldliness. It bubbles up from within uncontrollably. <laughs> See Ramakrishna in a place he says, it's so funny, you know, he says, I feel like laughing, I don't know why. <laughs> An inner, a kind of holy glee burst forth from within. An unenlightened person, an enlightened person, unenlightened person, cloudy face, <laughs> stormy face. Enlightened person will have, may not be always have, wearing a smiley face, but 
always a joy and peace will be there, undisturbed within. Ma Sharada was once asked, did you ever see Ramakrishna with a pale face or unhappy face? He said, no, never. Somebody asked about this picture that uh, Sri Ramakrishna himself said that this is a very high spiritual state. So wasn't, isn't he very serious in this picture? And uh, the mother said, no, I have seen that. But no, I didn't think he was, I always thought he, was, uh, he had a smiling face. I never thought he had a pale face or you know, anxious face, never. Sukhi. Adhuneva Sukhi Shanta. E, right, even now, right now, permanently, you attain to that bliss which is your birthright. And Shanta. Bandha Mukta. Free of bondage. What is bondage? What bondage do we have? Are we really tied to this body? Not really. It's only the fact that I think I am this body. I think I am this body. I feel that I am this body. But actually I am not. There's this funny story of a Swami in the cave who would live there and, and a disciple went to him and said, teach me Vedanta. And the Swami said, all right. But first you have to um, you know, work for, for the ashram, for the cave. <laughs> the cave is an ashram. So he would make the disciple clean, the sweep the cave and bring water for him and beg, and go, beg for food and things like that. After a few weeks, the disciple got uh, frustrated. You're not teaching me anything. If tomorrow you don't, you don't give me you know, moksha, freedom. If tomorrow you don't give me freedom, I'll go elsewhere. Now the teacher thought, no, I can't let him go elsewhere. Okay, I'll have to give him freedom. He said, all right, come in the morning tomorrow. Early in the morning, the disciple turns up, very happy. He's going to get moksha, freedom today. And he finds the Swami standing there. There was a, this big old tree outside the cave. And he's holding onto the tree with all his might and shouting, free me, free me, free me. And the disciple says, Swami, just let, let go. And the Swami said, precisely. <laughs> Bondage, they say in, in, in Hindi, they say manyata. You think you are tied to this body and mind, but you are not, actually not. Vivekananda said, thine only is the hand that holds the rope that drags thee on. Thine only is the hand that holds the rope that drags thee on. We do not know whence we have come. We do not know where we are being dragged to. But Vivekananda says, you are, you are holding the rope which is dragging thee on. And then show what should we do? Let go, let go thy hold, sannyasi bold. He says, Om Tat Sat Om. It's a song to a monk. Let go thy hold. Let go thy hold does not mean, okay, I'm going to walk out of my home and my job and my business and abandon my family and I'm going to become a monk in the Himalayas. No, 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 that's, that's a crude understanding. Let go thy hold is in our deepest understanding, conception of ourselves. Am I this body and mind? Am I this one? No. I am the awareness in which this one appears. Ashtavakra says after that, Eko drashtasi sarvasya mukto prayasi sarvada ayam eva hite bandha drashtaram pasyasi taram What does it mean? You are the one witness of everything. And you are, you are in reality always free. In reality. In practical life you may not be free. Because unless you know this and realize it, you may not feel that freedom. But in reality you are always free. 
Now, what is the bondage? This alone, he says, I am Eva, he. This alone is your bondage. This is where we are trapped. Very interesting, look at it. Drashtaram parshyasitaram. You think that there is some other consciousness, some other witness. You see, when you ask for bondage, in Vedanta you'll get different answers. Um, somebody say, we are bound by our own karma. We are bound by ignorance. We are bound by maya. Here, Ashtavakra gives a very precise insight, a very subtle insight. Your only bondage is you see the witness consciousness as something other than you. What do we see as the consciousness? Who is the con consciousness? Who is the knower? We think, here is the knower. This body and in the mind there is awareness. This is the knower. This is the witness. This is drashta. No, it's not. It's the reflected consciousness. It's like you look at your face in the mirror and see the reflected face and say, which, which is the face? That's the face. No, it's not. This is the face. That's reflected in the mirror that you are seeing. The problem is the original face you do not see. And what you see is a reflection. So we think that the awareness in this body and mind, that is consciousness. That's the drashta, that's the knower, that's the witness. No, that's not the witness. That which is aware of this thing, that is the witness. That which is reflected in the mirror, the original one, that's your face. What else do we think is the witness? We think here are so many witnesses. Here are a hundred people sitting in, in me, so each one of them is a witness. No, that is bondage. You are the one consciousness, undivided, shining through these hundred bodies and minds. Why hundred bodies and minds? Billions of bodies and minds. One consciousness. Eko drashtasi sarvasya. In each body and mind, the consciousness shines upon it and functions as a separate individual. It functions as a separate individual. But the background awareness is one and the same. And that's who, that's who you are. That's why we think we, there are many witnesses here. There are not many witnesses. That's our bondage. Or some people think, what is the witness consciousness? Oh, there's a from jada, from this physical body and brain, some emanation. That's our mainstream understanding in science now. From a physical system, consciousness somehow emerges. That's the witness. No. The consciousness, that which is aware of the physical system. Yadi deham prithakritya. Separating the physical system from the awareness. That which is aware of the physical system, that is consciousness and that you are. Some think, no, God is the witness. God sees everything. As, as if God has no other work than to be a peeping Tom all the time. Whether God sees everything or not, who knows, it's a matter of faith. But whose faith? Your faith. If God sees everything, you are seeing God as seeing everything. If you believe that God does not see everything, there is no such thing as God. In, it's in your vision that there is no such thing as God. Faith exists in your awareness. Lack of faith exists in, in your awareness. If there is an all-seeing God, that exists in your awareness. Are you aware of that or not? Yes. So it exists in your awareness. You are the drashta. Not this person with the reflected consciousness. Not a hundred people who are uh, with, uh, you know, witness consciousnesses. No. You, the original consciousness, in and through everything. You are this witness consciousness. Eko drashtasi sarvasya. One witness of everything in the universe. That you see the witness as different from you, that is your bondage. 
This alone is our bondage that we see the witness as different from us. I am the witness consciousness in all beings. As you do that, you step back from this body-mind system and you see all body-minds, all persons become same to you then. This particular body-mind is not special anymore. All bodies and minds are same to me now. They are all, I am the witness of all bodies and minds. This samadarshitva comes. This, this is, um, you know, it proceeds in this way. First, in Vedanta is the stage which we call viveka. Viveka means separating. Sri Ramakrishna uses very nice language. S uh, uh, sugar and sand are mixed up. The ant can separate them. Water and milk are mixed up. The uh, swan can, apparently the story is that the swan can actually separate the water and drink the milk. I don't know if it's true. But the story goes like that. The swan can separate water and milk. And the third one he uses in, uh, I'll tell you in Bengali, I always have difficulty translating this. Golmale malache, golti baddiye maltilo. In Hindi also you can understand. What it means is, how do you translate golmal? Chaos. In chaos, the reality exists within chaos. Leave the chaos aside and take the reality. It doesn't work in English. <laughs> it has a peculiar punch in Bengali. Yeah. In Hindi also you can say that. Gol mal mein mal hai. Gol ko chodo mal ko lo. So, now this is the first stage. It means viveka, separation. Again in your understanding. In your understanding. Now in this first stage, it seems like sand and sugar are two things. Right? They're two different things. So it seems body-mind is one thing and consciousness is another thing. When Ashtavakra tells you, separate the body-mind from consciousness. Yadi, deham, As if there are two things. This is first step is essential, but it's also not true. Are there two things? Is there a body-mind and universe one thing and a pure consciousness another thing? Vedanta says, actually no. We went through this process just to help you to understand, to appreciate what is pure consciousness? What is the witness consciousness? It's not that the witness consciousness is actually a separate thing and this universe is a separate thing. One Swami was teaching us, he said, uh, you know, I, I often talk about Trigdrishya Viveka, Drashta and Drishya, I often have given this talk. One Swami was saying, if you do that too much, Drigdrishya Viveka, I am the witness and the world is the witnessed he put it in uh, beautifully in Hindi. Those who keep doing that all the time, they will end up feeling that the witness is something good. It's God. And the witnessed universe and body and mind is the devil. Because it's the source of all trouble. Drashta Bhagavan hai, Drishya ko shaitan banaya hai. No, it's not that the witness is evil. It's not that the world is a place of trouble and travail and turmoil. It's not that the body is bad. No. In the second stage of Vedanta, it says that you realize this witness consciousness alone appears as the mind and the body and the universe. In your dream, when you separate yourself as the dreamer and this is the dream. But what is the dream is also the dreamer. The dreamer alone appears as the dream. Everybody in your dream is you. There's a great scholar um, who would engage in debates and he was proud of defeating everybody in a debate. One day in the morning he was sitting very sad and frustrated and, and depressed. 
And his disciple came and said, oh, master, what's wrong? You look very sad. He said, oh, last night I had a dream that another great scholar came and challenged me. And we had a great debate. And I lost the debate. So I'm depressed. I never lost anything in my life, and I've lost the debate. And now I, we have our scholar who's greater than me. His disciple said, but master, that scholar was also you because it was in your dream. You dreamt him up, right? So the knowledge of that scholar, the skill of the scholar is also your knowledge and skill. You're right. And he was happy. <laughs> in the same way, the existence of all beings is your existence. See, that witness consciousness alone appears as body, mind, and universe. The existence of all things is your existence. The knowledge in all, all beings is your knowledge. Now don't ask them, why don't, why don't I become a walking encyclopedia? Then you're asking this question as the person. As the background consciousness which is present in everybody, that one owns all the knowledge in all minds. All the knowledge in the world is your knowledge. All the love and bliss in the world is your love and bliss. Satchit Ananda. So the second stage in Vedanta is that not, now I'm not only the witness consciousness, this witness consciousness, drashta, is Brahman, the reality of the universe, Sat-Chit-Ananda. That's the second stage. This stage is called real enlightenment, Jnana. Not the first one. The first one is separation, Vivek. Brahman, uh, the witness consciousness, and the world. And then the world is dismissed as false. This is only first stage. Sri Ramakrishna was asked, Vedanta always says the world is false. Jagat Mithya. Is the world false? And Sri Ramakrishna said something very startling. For a, for a Vedantin, he said something very startling. He said, why should it be false? Meaning thereby it's not false. But the next sentence is very interesting. Why should it be false? It's a step in reasoning. Bicharer Katha. Very profound statement. When he first says, why should it be false? Is he rejecting Vedanta? No, 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 no. He's in fact completing Vedanta. It's a step in reasoning that the world is an appearance in consciousness. That which is in an appearance in consciousness is nothing but that consciousness. If the things appear in your dream, those things are nothing but your mind because it's projecting that. So everything that appears to you is Brahman, is your real self. You are everything. This is called Sarvatma Bhava. I am in all beings, all beings are in me. This is the final culmination of Vedantic sadhana. This is Jivan Mukti. This is what Sri Ramakrishna called Vijnana. Jnana, Brahman is there. Vijnana, everything is Brahman. Jnana, I am Brahman. Vijnana, I am everything. I am in everything and all things are in me. This oneness with the universe. Time is up. Anytime Sri Ramakrishna will return to his room. So we close that little book. Now we know what he taught Narendranath. And Vivekananda, when he came to this country, what did he say? He said, my mission in life can be put in a few words. It is to preach unto humanity their inner divinity and how to make it manifest in life, in every movement of life. What is the inner divinity? That witness consciousness. One teaching. Second teaching, Vivekananda said, two things he has taught. The second teaching, oneness of the universe. The divinity within all human beings, within all of us, first teaching. And the second teaching is the oneness of all existence. 
The first teaching is yadi deham prithakritti. If you step back from the body and mind to the witness awareness and rest there, that's your divinity. And the second teaching is this one is common to all existence. You are not the water in one wave. Rather, you are the water of the, in which then all the waves and indeed the ocean exists in you. Wave, individual being. Ocean, Bhagavan, Ishwara. Water, Nirguna Brahman, in which God is also there, individual is also there. You are that background water, that existence, consciousness place, in which God and universe both appear. That oneness of the universe was Vivekananda's second teaching. So two teachings he has given all throughout his life. In his brief period of teaching in India and in America and other places, the divinity within us, that you are this immortal witness consciousness and the oneness of all existence. That this immortal witness consciousness is Brahman, the absolute, which appears as this entire universe. As we sneak out back from the room before Ramakrishna comes back and sees that we have read his secret, so we see that that is the secret which Vivekananda taught in modern language all over the world. Now just one word of caution before I end. There is a reason why Ramakrishna would not teach it to everybody. The reason is there's a chance of confusion. You say that if you are convinced, and if you're not con I see a lot of non-convinced faces. So if you're not convinced, you can always ask questions afterwards in the question and Q&A session. We'll talk about it. There is a danger of, oh, then why should I meditate? Why should I worship God? I am God after all. <laughs> yeah, that, that way lies disaster. So that's why you, meditation and devotion and faith and, and service, karma yoga, bhakti yoga, raja yoga, all of them are very important as support structures for this knowledge. This knowledge is the primary goal. But this knowledge will, will depends on those, those practices. Those practices are essential for preparing the mind for receiving this knowledge. With those practices, enlightenment. I am Brahman. I am free. Without those practices, eh, it's nice philosophy. So what? All right. Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tat Sat Shri Ram Krishna Rupanam Astu